This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang reminding you this is yet another day in your life that's been a better day for you than it was for a billionaire celebrity. Hi, it's Channel 127. Thank you, as always, to Dean Obadala and his excellent squad for a wonderful live lead-in show. We got a pretty solid squad here as well. Executive producer Chris Hauselt is running this thing from South Carolina. Uh, Thea Harper producing from Brooklyn. I join you from Manhattan. We got a great show tonight with some of our favorites all across the boards. Dr. Tracy Pearson will be here in hour number three. She has some thoughts about, well, you know what, the rude pundit is going to be with us. Uh, in hour number two, Lee Papa's here. He's taking no prisoners. It might get ugly. And we're going to be joined by one of the best labor journalists in the game, Bob Henley. Uh, very shortly in the hour, he's got a piece on Salon right now called Mission Not Accomplished. Joe, despite declaring victory over COVID, healthcare is a code blue. Uh, so all night long, our most important guest, as always, is you guys. We would love to hear from all y'all. Uh, and Likewise, if you've enjoyed our recent Wonderful interviews with Smokey Robinson or Christoph Waltz or Eugene Levy or Ilhan Omar, which just sounds like my dream crime spree. I want to do a road trip with all those people. You can hear them all on demand on the John Fugelzang podcast or on the Sirius XM app. And we have a lot to get to tonight. It's been a crazy one. Florida education officials are taking red ink to textbooks, demanding the removal of sections covering segregation or George Floyd, even Billie Jean King. Dianne Feinstein is back in D.C. She's going to put some judges on the bench. As I predicted, that was the only way the Democrats could play this out. They had no other options. The Republicans would never allow them to seat another senator on that committee if Feinstein were to have resigned. Hey, uh, sorry, Confederate jerk-offs. Texas military base Fort Hood has officially been renamed. After someone who wasn't a traitor, who took up arms against America to keep people as pets. It's now Fort Cavazos honoring the nation's first Hispanic four-star general. And federal prosecutors have reportedly filed charges against New York Representative George Boom Boom Santos. A lot of ground to go through. We were all set to talk about Tucker Carlson announcing he's going to relaunch his show on Twitter. Uh, he's going to forego at least $25 million owned to him by Fox to break his non-compete clause. Elon Musk, however, has already thrown cold water on that, saying they have no deal in place. And I just want to say one more thing before we get started on this. I, just remember, when we're all old and dying and lying on our bed and breathing our last and our whole life flashes before our eyes. Isn't it going to be a drag to relive that part where we all had to care about the debt ceiling? Okay, let's get to it. 866-997-4748 is our number. As always, you guys are our most important guest. 866-997-GRIT. We got a lot to get to. Guys, let's uh, whew, let's do a show. How was your day? Well, let's talk about the first twice impeached president. The first president to ever be criminally indicted for a felony. The first sitting president to incite an insurrection on the U.S. Capitol. The first president to ever get searched by the FBI. First president to ever plead the Fifth Amendment. CNN's hosting an exclusive town normalizing event with him tomorrow. And now, another first. The first president to be found liable by a jury for sexual abuse. The evidence was there. Two tapes and no Trump. There was the Access Hollywood tape, 
where he bragged about the stuff he actually does. And then there was the deposition where he defended saying he does the stuff he actually does. And of course, he didn't show up, which normally you'd think would be a good thing. I think it was. A jury has found Donald Trump liable for sexually assaulting friend of this show, E. Jean Carroll, after he refused to testify at the trial under penalty of perjury. Guilty of sexual abuse. Guilty of defamation. This is a landmark moment in the Me Too era. And yet, you guys know, it's not going to do anything to knock him off of the top of the Republican Party totem pole. Within hours of beginning deliberations, we now know a jury of nine New Yorkers, six men, Three women determined it was more likely than not, that's what you go for in a civil trial, that Trump sexually assaulted E. Jean Carroll in the dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman's in Manhattan in 1996. Now, they rejected uh, E. Jean Carroll's claims that she had been raped. I want to get to that in a second. But they found that Trump defamed her when he called her allegations a complete con job and a hoax and a lie last year. Trump responded to the verdict in a dignified fashion, posting on Filth Social in all caps, I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. This verdict is a disgrace. Continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. This was (coughs) after he made a post right before the verdict where he said he would appeal the unconstitutional silencing of me as a candidate, no matter the outcome. Uh, spoiler alert, he has not been silenced. Nothing that happened today was unconstitutional. He was given plenty of chances to defend himself. He was, he was, they wanted him to take the stand. He he had a chance to do it, but he did not appear. He didn't even file a motion to testify. They even granted him an extension by the court to change his mind last week. So despite lying before the verdict, he was not allowed to speak or defend myself He chose not to do it. Uh, You can ask your Trump defending friends about that one, by the way, when you try, if you must, to have a conversation about this latest Trump disgrace. Say, well, well, do you agree with Donald Trump that that he wasn't allowed to speak or defend myself? Because it's another lie. And he tells it because the gullibles don't mind being lied to. That's what keeps authoritarians in line in this country. They 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 want a big, strong man who will wave a flag and lie to them. And they'll lie for him. So over on Newsmax, and I know that's where you turn for your information, uh, right-wing radio host Sid Rosenberg, he he did exactly what I predict Trump will do on CNN tomorrow night. He said, well, they, they they didn't convict him on rape, so it's okay. Sid said, don't worry about the money, whether it's $4 or $5 million. That means nothing to Trump. <laughs> he did not want to be labeled a rapist. He is not a rapist. They came back with no. So trust me when I tell you, this was a major win for Donald Trump today. Guys, <laughs> this was not a major win for Donald Trump. This is a major win for toadies who are trying to suck up to a dying king. Uh, Biden's having a pretty rough week. Trump's having a really rough year. He's been indicted on 34 felony accounts. He knows now that someone who worked for him at Mar-a-Lago is cooperating with the feds on the documents he stole. The hush money case in Manhattan, the ongoing civil lawsuit on his fraudulent asset valuation in New York State, the Fulton DA in Georgia into his election meddling, two special counsel investigations, one on January 6th, one on classified documents. Believe me, you know who's happier than E. Jean Carroll today? One person. Ron DeSantis, all of this Michigas and Trump can't shut his mouth, can't stop running it when he's not in court. And now, thanks to a jury of six men and three women in the city that spawned Donald Trump, in the city that hates Donald Trump, 
He's $5 million poorer. Now, he's not liable for rape against E. Jean Carroll. This is an important distinction that we have to go over uh, because it's going to be the linchpin of all the Republicans trying to spin this as a win. He is not liable for rape. It doesn't mean that he didn't rape her. It doesn't mean the jury didn't think he raped her. She was suing for battery and defamation. He's liable for sexual abuse. He is liable for defamation. You know, the jury could have called it rape, but she said in her testimony that she was not sure if he penetrated her fully or partially. So, you know there, no rape. They went with battery and defamation. This man's the leader of the party that stole women's rights. He is the top presidential contender for 2024. And he committed sexual battery on a woman. Now, way back, way back in 2016, a lot of us thought the Access Hollywood tape, where he was bragging about geeing women by the P, would be his political death song. He got elected anyway. And he defended his comments in the deposition that was played for the jury last week. He was talking about his grabbing by the pussy remark and saying, historically, that's true with stars. Let's play a little bit of that. Here is Donald Trump's deposition, uh, which played for the jury last week, where he pretty much, well, uh, admits he did it and defamed her. In this video, I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the Well, that's what... It's, if you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. The last million years, the last million years of human history. Now, look, you guys already know for any other person, this would just end your public life. This would end your career. A federal jury has ordered a former president, the current frontrunner of the Republican Party, to pay five million dollars after finding him liable for sexually abusing a famous writer lady. You think the Republicans are going to hold his feet to the fire? None. Asa Hutchinson, former Arkansas governor, who's trying to get anyone to pay attention to his presidential bid. You know, Asa rhymes with comes in sixth place. Uh, he was the first among all the candidates. He put out a statement and blasted Trump's indefensible behavior. The rest of them kept quiet. You know, Fox News is going to be all about Hunter Biden's laptop tonight. Ronna McDaniel, the RNC committee chair. She was arguing on Fox News that suburban women are much more concerned with the direction of the country under Biden than, you know, Donald Trump being a sexual abuser of women. Now, this is all kind of weird because it's coming right after the ABC ABC News Washington Post poll. The weird one. The one that I wanted to talk about last night, but things were too crazy with the most recent mass shooter. The ABC News Washington Post poll, which showed that most of the respondents think Donald Trump should be charged with crimes and... Most of the respondents support Donald Trump over Joe Biden. This was the poll that came out late last week. 49% to 42% outside the margin of error. Not a right-wing poll. It's ABC News, Washington Post. They want to put Trump in jail and they want to make him president. It's insane. I know it makes no sense. Uh, First off, Trump presided over a loss of 3 million jobs. Joe Biden has presided over the addition of more than 12 million 
jobs. And yes, COVID impacted those numbers, but Donald Trump did a horrible job managing COVID. He lied nonstop throughout COVID. His lethal incompetence is to blame for that. Now, when I first heard this poll, like many, I assume this was just a poll of deeply uninformed people, which is to say, you know, American voters. You know, in the poll, even though Biden and Trump are only four years apart in age, they're horrified about Biden's fitness for office, but not Trump. And and again, this is a terrifying poll. Trump leading Biden by seven points outside the margin of error. And eight, even though the majorities still think Trump should face criminal charges, 18 percent of the people who want him arrested still back him over Biden. I, look, for me, I could get behind a president serving from behind bars. I'd love to see it. It'd be a heck of a reality show. I, I would watch it just to see how they did the cabinet meetings in Gen Pop. But see, here's the thing. We've heard so much about Donald Trump's historic unpopularity and the fact that he ruined it for the Republicans in the 2018 midterms. He ruined it for the Republicans in 2020. He really tanked it for the Republicans in 2022, where they should have done much better. They should have taken the Senate. They should have taken 90 seats in the House. But this data... I, I, I don't really buy it. I mean, it's a random sample poll, which I've, you know, learned a bit about a lot of polls, the majority of polls showing Biden beating Trump easily. And you know this. Most of the polls we see show Biden beating Trump and the media ignores all of them because Donald Trump is ratings crack. And the only bias in the media are for eyeballs, ratings and clicks. So this flawed new poll as Trump beating Biden and the media jumps on it. This is the only poll that exists, and they hype this crap for ratings. Generally, you should look for registered voter polls, right? Tracking polls where the respondent sample has been verified so they can provide good data or polls by academic universities that aren't funded by the media. Those are also good as well. But the media needs something to talk about. And since presidential elections bring a lot of clicks and eyeballs and ratings, they're going to be churning out more of these random sample polls with all kinds of wacky results. So I say go ahead and nominate him, media, because that's who wants him. The Republican establishment does not. They want Ron DeSantis so bad. And I predict Chris Christie is going to do a lot better in this campaign than other people think. This poll actually asked, who handled the economy better? Trump beat Biden by almost 20 points. 54% for Trump, 36% for Biden. (laughs) This is what we're used to. If you've lived in this country in the last 40 years, you know the pattern. Republican messes everything up. They bring in a Democrat to clean up the mess. And the entire time the Democrats cleaning up the mess, the arsonists are heckling the fire department. Jimmy Carter, you could argue, got into the White House because of Watergate, because of Nixon's corrosive, venal crimes. Clinton got in because 28, 28, what was it, 12 years of trickle down finally collapsed. Barack Obama got in because George W. Bush tanked the economy. Joe Biden got in because, you know. So this is the game, right? Just say, oh, we trust Republicans more. They're business people. 54% to 36%. Trump over Biden for who handled the economy better. This is an ABC Washington Post poll. So it's good to remember Donald Trump's actual economic record at handling the economy. And I can guarantee y'all, Joe Biden's got people on his team who remember. Um, The international trade deficit, remember Donald Trump promised to reduce that? It went up. The U.S. trade deficit in goods and services in 2020 was the highest 
In 12 years, it increased 40.5% from 2016. The number of people lacking health insurance in Donald Trump's term went up by 3 million. The federal debt held by the public went up from 14 trillion to 21.6 trillion. Never forget, 25% of all the debt our country has accrued in almost 250 years, 25% of it came in Trump's four years. Home prices went up under Trump, 27%. Home ownership rate increased at 2.1 percentage points. Illegal immigration went up under Donald Trump. Apprehensions at the southern border rose 14.7% last year compared with 2016. The murder rate rose to the highest level since 1997 in 2020. Donald Trump, when he took office, had seen this Barack Obama record of continuous U.S. monthly job gains month after month after month. And I said for a long time, all Donald Trump was doing was riding the expanding recovery. Have this debate with your right-wing loved ones. Ask them, can you cite one Obama economic trend that Donald Trump reversed and made better rather than just continued and to credit uh, black and Latino unemployment rate. Yeah. Barack Obama cut the black and Latino unemployment rates in half. And under Trump, those trends continue to go down one more percentage point. So right wing people who don't really give a rat's ass about the black and Latino unemployment rate were hailing Donald Trump again, a mediocre white man taking credit for a black man's work. Well, Donald Trump saw 100 months of continuous U.S. monthly job gains end on his watch in February of 2019 when the economy slowed and the recession began. It was eight years and four months of monthly job gains, 100 months straight back to October 2010, and it ended in February of 2019, one year before the damn pandemic. Joe Biden's got the lowest unemployment rate since we went to the moon, the lowest unemployment since 1969, the strongest two-year job growth ever by a president, the biggest jobs recovery since the 1950s. But this is the myth they're going to give us. Like I said, Reagan took the deficit from 70 billion to 175 billion. Bush senior took it to 300 billion. Bill Clinton, the Democrat, got it to zero. Bill Clinton left office with an 86.4 billion surplus, and Bush Jr. took that from zero to 1.2 trillion. Obama cut it in half to 600 billion. Trump added the largest peacetime budget deficit in American history and a national debt exceeding 100% of the economy for the first time since World War II. Old Joe has reduced the deficit by 1.4 trillion in his second year in office. So go ahead, nominate Trump. Go ahead. What a great time. Yes, he beat the rape rap. <laughs> go ahead. Let's see fewer seats for Republicans in the Senate. Let's see them lose the House. You know what? Run Trump again. We might have a chance of getting rid of the filibuster. Run Trump again. We might be able to see Democrats finally stack this corrupt, rigged Supreme Court. I'm ready for D.C. statehood. I'm ready for Puerto Rican statehood. I'm ready for Roe versus Wade codified at the federal level. Go ahead. Y'all can call that winning. But don't forget, this man is the Republican Party's leader. We got to let that sink in. And they hate it, but it's the way it is. And rape charge is the new collusion. Remember collusion, it's not really a crime. So Donald Trump came out in the beginning when they were first talking about possibly looking into his financial ties to Russia, which they never did. Robert Mueller never actually followed the money. But Donald Trump began saying, there is no collusion with my campaign in Russia. No collusion, no collusion. Collusion's not even a crime. 
rape charge will be the new bullshit defense. Well, he was acquitted on rape by a jury of his peers in New York. And I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, tomorrow night, he will be boasting that a New York City jury acquitted him of a rape charge and CNN is going to let him do it to a very wide audience. I sound cynical and I don't mean to be. I'm happy for E. Jean Carroll. I first met her over 20 years ago. My first ever network TV job. I got to work with her and I met her when I was very young and she was lovely then. We had her on the show just before the pandemic. She's very brave. She was vindicated on her defamation claims and her sexual assault claims and I'm glad she's getting five million. I hope she actually gets it. But you know what I'm ready for? I'm ready for justice for all the women that Donald Trump sexually abused. Like Jessica Leeds, Kristen Anderson, Jill Harth, Kathy Heller, Temple McDowell, Karina Virginia, Bridget Sullivan, Mariah Bellado, Tasha Dixon, Cassandra Cyrils, Mindy McGilvray, Rachel Crooks, Natasha Stoinoff, Jennifer Murphy, Jessica Drake, Nini Laxonen, Summer Zervos, Alva Johnson, Karen Johnson, Samantha Holby, and Lisa Boyne. <laughs> and so uh, I noticed that the name Tara Reid is trending again this week on social media. I'm glad she's getting funded. Look, I think everyone should have their stories thoroughly investigated. But uh, if you're outraged over Tara Reid's accusations from 30 years ago against Joe Biden when she claims he assaulted her in a public hallway where anyone could see, investigate it. But if you're not at all upset at the accusations from the 26 women I just named. Oh, it, that was 25. 26 is Ivana Trump, who accused Donald of sexual assault in a 1991 sworn affidavit. If you're not upset at those accusations of sexual assault, dude, you're just not someone who is outraged at sexual assault. Sean and Callie, welcome. Hey, Brother John, what a intro, what a big day, you know. I mean, uh, Donald Bin Laden's uh, being held accountable, you know, uh, albeit in a civil way, but, you know, the guy, you know, is, <laughs> he's exactly perfect for the Republican Party. Republican Party loves people who are misogynist. They love racists. They love people who, you know, do whatever they want above the law, and then yeah. finally he's getting held accountable. But, you know, they also love people like George Santos. They love that guy. You know, mm, I mean, they don't love George Evan Santos, Mc trust me. They don't love well, George Santos. I mean, when, you're, when you're a gay immigrant, they're willing to kick you off the bus, trust me. Except Kevin McCarthy has 15 votes. 15 oh, votes. They, they, they love his finger that gives Kevin McCarthy what he wants. Yes, they love his vote, but they would be very happy to replace him with someone else who votes exactly the same way and doesn't embarrass them. I don't want to see it happen. I want Kevin McCarthy to have to own George Santos for the next couple of years. No, I'm with you on that, but that's the, that's the thing. This is what it's perfect for them because this is what they've devolved to, albeit these people are, uh, meaning Republicans, are changing laws across the country in states uh, to make it harder to vote because they can never win on, on real issues. And the fact that, you know what, the 30 percent, 18 percent or 15 percent, whatever you want to believe the maggots are, that's the only way they can win any elections. So they those people, the maggots, they don't 
they think that everything's been rigged rigged and fixed forever. Yeah. Okay. And there's a lot of other people that believe everything's rigged and fixed, but it isn't. <laughs> but you know they you know they convince them that it is, and there's nothing you can say. So democracy. Well, I, mean, I think, it, I think everything say. is rigged. And I, I, I got to correct you. I, I believe it is all rigged and fixed. I think our entire oh, economy, economy is rigged and fixed. Oh yeah. I, I just that. I just feel like I these people are suckered by the people who did the rigging. Right. No, I agree with you on the economy because, you know, I mean, there's so many flaws in capitalism and what we're doing. I get that. But I'm, I'm saying when an election is rigged and fixed, if you and I know you've been involved in elections and stuff. I mean, the people that do these things have more integrity than I'll ever have on my best day. These people are making sure every dot, uh, you know, I is dotted and oh, yeah. he is crossed and oh, they yeah. do their best. I don't know about in every state. But here in California, I'm telling you, these people are like, hey, if there's a million Republican votes, they're going to be counted. That's right. just the way it is. So, um, But they don't believe in that. They just want the person that they believe that should win. And that's not the way it is. Yeah, I want my guys to win or my girls to win, my ladies to win. But I don't – if they lose – I just say, doggone it, we got to get back to the drawing board and, and win next time. That's You're not right. the way they're thinking now. They're thinking, let's just fix it. They're doing everything that their 30, 18, 15% people think. It's already rigged and fixed on the election, and they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the scary part. We got to win more elections, but we got to keep the voices out there. And Joe Biden today hit a home run in his press conference regarding... I thought he was really good in his press conference. I I like Biden press conferences. Every time you listen to so much right-wing disinformation about how he's so old and feeble and can't even dress himself, and then he gives a press conference like, oh no, he's an 80-year-old guy. He takes his time, he speaks slowly, he he, he takes a breath before he speaks, um, and then he's intelligent and everything he says makes sense and you know he's not lying to you. I can live with that kind of boring content. Gotta tell you. I'm with you, and I think, and sadly, that's called decorum, right? I mean, he even apologizes when he has to undress a reporter asking a stupid straw man question. He's like looking at this person going, you know, I've been here a long time, and Mm. you not think that I have heard a question like that where you're trying to tell me I'm not going to do something? And then he Put this per- By the way, it was about the debt ceiling. It was asking if he would negotiate. You're not, gonna, you're not willing to negotiate. And he said, do you know the proposal? Do you know what they're proposing? And mm-hmm. he put that person on the spot, and they have no clue about any proposal. You know why? Because yeah. there is no proposal. It's a crisis situation that Republicans are setting up. And I said Joe McCarthy earlier tonight, but it's – it's a Freudian slip, but uh, it's Kevin McCarthy and yes. Marjorie Taylor Greene is telling him and, and Matt Gates or whoever the other 15 votes are, um, you know, you'll do as I say, motherfucker. Exactly and that's right. A sad thing. So, yeah, it's, we just it's, it's very keep it it's, in the spotlight. It's ver- you're right. It's very sad. And that's why we have ridicule uh, to go after them and facts <laughs> yeah. and the truth, because Marjorie Taylor Greene's the most powerful person in our Congress. And if dumb were hair, she'd be a Wookiee. I got to go, Sean. I thank you for the call. The great Bob Henley is waiting in the wings. We'll be right back. This is Sirius XM Progress. Welcome back to it. So the World Health Organization has announced the end of the global health emergency for COVID-19. They also announced there's still a human dying every three minutes and that 10% of infections are leading to long COVID. 
And they said, as we speak, thousands of people around the world are fighting for their lives in intensive care units, and millions more continue to live with the debilitating effects of post-COVID-19 conditions. So what happens now? And what's with the double talk and jive? How can you declare it over and then tell me a human dies every three minutes of this plague? Well, it extends to our government as well. We're hearing an awful lot about what's happening with the border now that Donald Trump's COVID safety measures are expiring. But our next guest has a great piece in Salon called Mission Not Accomplished, Joe. Despite declaring victory over COVID, healthcare is code blue because the National Public Health dashboard is blinking hazards ahead. We're always blessed anytime we can get Robert Henley to join us on the show. He's an award-winning investigative journalist with a 40-year career of covering homeland security and the economy and corruption and immigration, environmental policy, and so much more. He's one of the best labor writers in the country. He was senior reporter at WNYC for 12 years, and you've read his stuff in the New York Times, the Detroit Free Press, Christian Science Monitor as well. Robert Henley, welcome back to SiriusXM. Thanks so much. It's great to have you, sir. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. I do feel I mean, we've had a big news today. There was some level of accountability in the civil court decision and uh, Ms. Carroll's uh, victory. Uh, I am concerned about the ongoing uh, unraveling of America. We have this horrible case of this talented homeless individual that was uh, that was killed uh, and murdered in the subway um, by a civilian who felt so threatened he felt that he needed to hold him till he had no life left in him. All of these things we're seeing, particularly things like these mass shootings where Republicans get covered by saying that they the problem is uh, not guns but mental health, all these things trace back, uh, back to the fact, John, that this country is really very primitive and that it does not have a universal health care program. That's right. And so all these things are discussed in isolation, compartmentalized, because the health care complex, and that's why, to be quite honest with you, um, it's great to be on a mass media outlet like, like like you're on, but in much of cable news, there are so many Medicare Advantage ads, um, pharma ads, this complex, has so consumed the American media landscape that you don't get any kind of critical view of where we are. And so they've even, I believe, corrupted Congress, the courts, and certainly turned the head of the White House because of all the campaign cash. So how is it we can be in the throes of the tail end of this mass death event where we lost 1.1 million Americans at least, and health care is not considered by polite company on Meet the Press, MSNBC, as the number one most pressing issue in America today. How that's not the case, I don't understand. You do understand, because it's not going to be said by people whose salaries are paid by these corporate networks that rely on advertising from Big Pharma. And it's not going to be said by 99 percent of elected officials whose campaign donations depend on the generosity of Big Pharma. I say every night, single payer for every player. And, you know, here's my argument, Bob. You want to know the best argument for single payer health care? It would mean no more Medicare Advantage ads during cable news. 
Al, what are you doing? No more. They'd all go away. I mean, that I, I think we could get. I want the golden slippers. Let me have the platinum walker. Honey, we're 65. Oh, we're going to get all that from Medicare now. No, Al, you bull. It's, it's just, it, it's embarrassing. But you're right. We are, every time a white person takes an AR-15 and slaughters a bunch of folks, our friends on the right talk all about the need for comprehensive mental health care. But they don't want to talk about who would pay for it. They don't want to talk about single payer. I'm all for it. Republicans want to have that dialogue, Bob. I'm like, yes, let us start. If we, if we can't, we can't get full health coverage and we can't get, uh, you know, pregnancy, which should be free and, and childhood should be free for, for parents. But let's at least get single payer for mental health care for all Americans and then have all the AR-15s you want. Of course, they don't mean it, Bob. They don't mean well, it. They I, mean none of it. The, 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 well, the gun lobby needs the mass murderers so they can sell more guns. Well, and I also think that the financialization of health care has just gone exponentially crazy. There's a wonderful book out by Gretchen Morganson and Joshua Rosner um, called These Are the Plunderers, How Private Equity uh, Ruins and Wrecks America. And they look particularly at how private equity has uh, Blackstone at all has just infected uh, the medical delivery system, turning doctors into employees buying up nursing homes um, they own. Ready for this? They have an interest or are running 40% of America's emergency rooms. Isn't mm. that excellent? And so one of the things we've not brought ourselves to do is to have the courage to take an objective look at what we did during the pandemic. Why is it that the United States is 4% of the world's population and at least 12% of its COVID deaths? Why is it that uh, we have the most expensive healthcare system in the world with the poorest outcomes? And why do we have a declining life expectancy in the case of New York City, which used to take pride in its ever uh, longer life expectancy? They lost mm-hmm. four years, the biggest drop since 1834. So by every measure, this country is in trouble when it comes to delivery of health care. There is an access and affordability crisis, which is still bearing down. And it's manifested in the, sh- the fact that we're short staffed tens of thousands of nurses. And so while yeah. they talk about infrastructure, this very basic thing has not recovered from the pandemic. And that's why I feel it's immoral for the president to do a George Bush mission accomplished and put the aviators on in the flight jacket. Yeah. And that's how that's what you put in your piece. Mission not accomplished. Later this week, President Joe Biden is expected to declare the nation's covid pandemic emergency over even as the nation's health care system is in a deepening, deepening access and affordability crisis. Washington is in active denial about because the medical industry complex is paying them. To look the other way, the awful truth is that America's politics have been so corrupted by corporations that the Supreme Court, Congress, the White House are all captive to varying degrees to those interests that are steering the 2024 conversation away from health care. I, I agree with everything you wrote in the piece, Bob. And it seems like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren running for president four years ago might have been the closest we could have hoped to getting there. Well, I would say I did see today that. Congressman Rokana and Bernie Sanders uh, introduced the bill to get rid of medical debt because, of course, right now, a half million American households are bankrupted by medical debt. Um, I, I will tell you that I do believe there's a grassroots movement that is growing. Uh, there's a marvelous film, uh, which you have to see, called Healing Us. 
Um, I discuss it in the piece, and uh, Kenny uh, Ballantine is the uh, is the, is the director. Susan Sarandon uh, uh, narrates it, and it just captures the spirit of this red beret movement. People that have knitted red berets that are close to health care just have witnessed firsthand the ravages of this for-profit, scarcity-driven health care. And no, this is a singular issue that we have to be concerned with. It captures the just tragic story. One that just jumps out is uh, a, a 23-year-old uh, a young father of two, Danny Denor, who had missed $20 premium for his Medicaid advantages. That's right. They figured out a way to have a premium for Medicaid, which is for folks that are um, supposed to be having economic difficulties. He missed his his uh, premium, so he was not able to get the medicine he needed for his his condition and ended up um, uh, suiciding. And so this is the oh. kind of stories that this film captures. But what it does also capture is the affirmation that's happening at the grassroots, whether it be in Washington, whether it be in California or New York with the New York Health Act. People know because we paid such a heavy price that this is the infrastructure that matters. Yes, it's important to keep our bridges going. But if we don't have our health, as we've seen over the last three years, we can uh, everything, anything, um, nothing is possible if you don't have your health. And this nation right now is to recognize, not to get too Matthew on you, too New Testament about it, but the, if your neighbor doesn't have health care, if your neighbor is vulnerable to illness, you're vulnerable to illness. We're all linked in that essential way. Absolutely. And you quote in your piece, Bob, how the CDC reported last summer the back-to-back annual decline in life expectancy in 2020 and 2021 was the biggest two-year decline in life expectancy since 1921 to 1923. That was also following a pandemic and a world war uh, with a 0.9-year drop in life expectancy in 2021, a 1.8-year drop in 2020. But I didn't even I didn't even know this, Bob. In New York City, which was so great on improving life expectancy, you mentioned this earlier, they now think that the COVID death toll has made life expectancy go from 82.6 years in 2019 to 78 years in 20. That's a drop of four and a half years in less than one year. So why isn't this something that's being discussed as a major political issue? And that's the thing that I, I think is troublesome is that if politics is about situational awareness and identifying collectively the risk to ourselves and our nation and our planet, why is this relegated to something that is not discussed at all? I mean, that to me is at the heart of the problem. That's why I so much appreciate the chance on this national platform to talk about it. Well, thank you. But I mean, as you point out in the bit, you, you, you know why. It's the return of the robber barons. You know, Aetna using Medicare Advantage to raid Medicare in broad daylight. We're actually watching commercials that make it look like you're getting Medicare when in reality they're commercials to make you give up Medicare and have shitty private insurance. I mean, and there's no one pushing back against this because no one wants to lose their job. Well, there are some. I will tell you that um, in New York City, we have 250,000 retired civil servants that work for the city that are pushing back. It's really important for people to understand what the Medicare scam advantage is about. And the way that it works as a business model is that they tell CMS, which is the cash register in Washington that pays for all of this, takes taxpayer funds and then turns it around and reimburses uh, providers is they say that people are sicker than they actually are or have them take a look at the uh, chart and capture your worst day. And then Mm -hmm. you, as a patient, go to look for care and treatment, 
and then they put you through the kind of hide the ball with the prior authorization. And so this has been going on now. All of the major insurance companies are under investigation at this point for this. This is a broad daylight robbery of Medicare. And to some degree, in some cases, unions have supported it because they themselves are benefiting in the short term from seeing this relief of what they think costs. But at this point, universal health care is the only way that we can be prepared for the next pandemic. But it also, and you point this out in your piece in Salon, Mr. Henley, it's poverty. I mean, we don't talk seriously about the fact that people with incomes less than 50% of U.S. median income, <laughs> that, that that is where we're seeing more of these deaths, that our life expectancy is going down because, as, as David Brady uh, points out, poverty right. kills as much as dementia, accidents, stroke, Alzheimer's, and diabetes. 183,000 people in 2019, that was before the pandemic. And if so, if you have that large uh, chunk of your society that is chronically ill, that's a that's an organic um, vulnerability for the entire society. Yeah. And that's why, you know, Reverend Barber makes this point all the time. We, we are not going to move forward unless we try to deal with this fundamental flaw. And as a matter of fact, that's the other thing that we've, we've spoken about here before. But we are we have not even stopped to calculate the essential workers that we lost in COVID. There are oh, I would yeah. certainly tens of thousands um, of all kinds of workers, uh, whether it be nurses, first responders, uh, transport workers. Here in New York City, we lost um, over 100 TW Local 100 people that ran the subways and buses. And the government hasn't even stopped, really, to get a sense of that. We know uh, just in nursing homes alone, uh, according to CMS, which tracks uh, spending in, in nursing homes, over 3,000 nursing home workers uh, perished. We know that that is mm. still we're still losing people on the front lines to this. We know that we still do not have our arms around the workplace exposure issues here, and we're mm. marching on as if nothing has happened. But there's a reason for that, Mr. Henley. I mean, the the reason which you know, the oligarchs and robber barons that own our country don't want to talk about anything that might lead to workers becoming, shall we say, more organized. Right. And I think we're seeing that, however, workers are pushing back from Amazon warehouses to Starbucks uh, cafes. Uh, One of the things, though, that we do have to change is that under existing labor law, it's possible for these companies, these unscrupulous companies, to actually violate labor law and pay it like, you know, just like a fine, the cost of doing business. I think it's time to put criminal sanctions on those violations because the time of your life, soldiers, your labor is one of the most precious things any human being has. And when it gets ripped off, it is a crime. Bob, I almost don't want to ask about this other piece of yours in Salon, but we have a couple of minutes left, and I, I, want, to, I want to get some people reading it. Um, it's a piece you published this week uh, called Unconscionable. Uncle Sam spends just three ninety nine on job safety as black and Latino worker deaths soar. I, I, it's deeply depressing, but at the same time, it's the other end of the coin we're talking about. It, it, it's the kind of institutionalized neglect, be it through the healthcare sector or the labor protection sector, that you know, Americans need to be more outraged about. Well, and Democrats is, like, need to be more outraged about. Absolutely. The intersectionality between 
the lack of an integrated safety net and universal health care also produces all kinds of uh, really dangerous situations for first responders and for anybody in the job with 500 workers being murdered on the job. That's, oh. that's in addition to the hundreds and hundreds that die on the job of construction accidents. And also the thing that is so distressing is that you see that undocumented folks that are working are most vulnerable that's because it. they're in the most marginal situation where because of the fact that they're working and they and they want to lower their not be uh, raise themselves on the radar that's exploited and they work in conditions that are unacceptable i mean that's the other thing is that we have so really lost touch with this you've seen that child labor has made a comeback brother i mean come <laughs> on i, mean, I know oh, i thought right, disco right, would have come back right. before child labor yeah uh, it, it it's it's just insane. Mr. Henley, we're so blessed anytime we can have you on the show. The second piece, again, is called Unconscionable. Uncle Sam spends just three ninety nine on job safety as black and Latino worker deaths soar. I just tweeted that out on my Twitter account. Uh, Mr. Henley, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your doings? Because I don't understand how you're as prolific as you are. <laughs> I work on volume. Um, no, it's at Stuck Nation because we surely are. That's my Twitter handle. Um, and I have a radio presence locally in drive time in New York City on WBAI and also take direct messages because the best stories are the ones that come directly from working people and struggle. Right on. Thank you so much, Bob. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Happy birthday, Billy Joel. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We have the coming up this hour, uh, the great Dr. Tracy Pearson, and we'll talk about MTV News no longer existing. People are all upset about that. I'm more upset that the M in MTV stopped existing about 10 years ago. Uh, Armando is calling from Texas, and he's been on hold forever. Armando, thank you so much for your patience. Welcome. Hey, John, what's going on? How are you, man? Going pretty good. Um, so today... Uh, I saw on uh, the Reddit conservative uh, page that they're they're officially over Trump. I know that's just Reddit, you know, but yeah. that this is kind of the uh, beginning of the end for Trump, that it's going to be DeSantis or anybody else um, was warning uh, what you thought about that. And also, since this might be the most boring election ever, because uh, Republicans can't pick anybody because the guy that's leading the charge is, you know, going to be in uh, courtrooms a lot for the next year and a half. Yeah, he will um, be. Um, wondering if, you know, the media is going to do what they can to, to make it seem like it's a lot closer, kind of like the midterms from uh, last year. Um, if why, if why, uh, on David Packman, you know, it's nice to watch because he's actually on YouTube and the radio is awesome, but I do like watching visuals. I like if, David, yeah. He's a good guy. Um, I was wondering if, you know, you and the, the other guys – Tom and Dean and uh, Michelangelo. If, can y'all guys get on YouTube or something? Just like, so I don't have to watch the news this cycle. <laughs> okay. I mean, I have a lot of stuff on. I have a lot of stuff on YouTube, and you, you know, they keep trying to. But look, the guy who's trying to kill me for the insurance money, who owns this show, keeps trying to get us on YouTube more, but it's subscription based, and so we have a tough time getting our show on YouTube when, cause, cause then people won't pay for it. We, it took us seven years to get a podcast of this show put out. So we were only able to do so much at a time, but, um, 
but we're 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 doing our best to you know get more stuff out there. But yeah, I agree. You know, there's a, the problem is there's no real progressive media infrastructure anywhere in the world, and so this channel you're listening to right now is the only twenty four seven progressive radio channel John, left. So yes, yeah, it's yes, Chris. I've, well, I've got some. I've got an announcement to make. I've got some very important news. What you watch uh, the Oppenheimer trailer? What we have we've signed a very exclusive deal with Elon Musk. We're going to be streaming your show on Twitter. Oh, that's great. But Does Elon will, know? We will need to make some. We will have to slightly tailor our programming. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you heard? Have you heard of a guy named Cat Turd? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's the one of our new producers. Oh, okay. Terrific. Yeah. Hey, listen. As long as it's free speech, because that's what I that's what I love about about Twitter. It's free. It, it costs eight dollars. Uh, the free speech, but it's free speech for free. Just eight eight bucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, Armando, I, I have to disagree with one thing you said, that it's going to be a boring political election. I don't think so. I'm actually finding it to be a real nail biter. First off, I don't think Donald Trump can be elected president again, but you never know. I mean, the media really wants him back. Secondly, uh, Ron DeSantis is going to throw everything he's got at Donald Trump and he's going to be very well funded. To your point, right now, this might not mean anything, but like three or four more convictions over the next year. <laughs> It could add up, and Donald Trump could stumble a bit before the primaries even begin. I, I, I don't think Joe Biden's going to have an easy time by any measure at getting reelected. And, you know, the Democrats could easily lose the Senate. So I'm, I'm finding it a real nail-biter already a year and a half in advance. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, you're, I know you're not supposed to gloat. You know, you're supposed to just, you know, <laughs> still vote and still have the mindset that it, anything can happen. You know, but I think this was it for Trump. I think uh, I don't think he's going to get the nomination. I think uh, I mean, even his heart, only the people that really care, the, the diehards that are wanting to be king of the United States. Um, so I think it's it's boring. in ter- I know it's probably entertaining, but boring as in terms of like Joe Biden won't be challenged. So yeah, um, that's be. why I brought up, um, you know, because Pacman's the only person that's like has a you could watch, you know, a a show like TV, everything else is radio. And yeah. um, it's nice to there, have there, there's, other, there's, 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 there's other good progressive TV shows that are on YouTube. I mean, I can, I can hook you up with the young Turks. I'm sure you've heard of them. Tom Harbin puts a lot of his stuff on camera as well. Dean puts a Sam, lot of his stuff on camera. Sam Cedar, Sam Cedar and the majority report there. There's, there's a lot of good progressive TV shows that are on YouTube. Yeah, but y'all, y'all have the best show. So it's like, where are y'all well, at? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as, and I promise you, as soon as I find a big bag of money, we're going to have a nice studio and you will see this on TV. Listen, the guy who owns the show who's trying to kill me for the insurance money keeps trying to find ways to turn this into a TV show. And uh, we're going to try to help him any way we can. So. Okay, well, I mean, they fired Tucker and, you know, maybe Fox News will hire you. You maybe know, they will. I, I actually think I think the smartest thing Rupert could do is to have a liberal show on Fox News because hate watching gets the eyeballs. And if you did even a 30 minute show every day or just once a week on that channel, think about how much liberals watch CNN for Trump coverage because they hate him so damn much. A liberal show on Fox, it would draw in a new audience. It would draw in new advertisers. It would let Rupert brag that he has diverse programming and it would probably get incredible ratings because, you know, hate draws eyes. Think about that. Right on, man. Well, I, I hope I hope, uh, hope I'll see you with, when, you know, with 
within the next five years, hopefully you're on TV. But you know, if not, I'll still listen. <laughs> I mean, I was I was literally on News Nation yesterday. I'm sorry, I haven't done TV in a while, but I'm just starting to do more TV. I just did my first MSNBC appearance in, in ages, and I I begun doing News Nation again in their studio. So I promise you'll be seeing more of me. I'm going to get this hair cut off and 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 do a lot more. Or maybe I'll just chloroform David Pakman and steal his set because he has a pretty good operation going. And a pretty good mustache too. Pacman's got a got a got a cool nineteen thirties movie star mustache now, so he's raising my style game. Okay. Well look forward to seeing you on his show because I watch him a lot. Right on. I'm a big fan of his. He's a swell guy. Thank you so much for the call, man. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. So you heard about this 36 years after MTV News was created to expand the programming that Viacom had on their channel MTV. Uh, it is no more. MTV News has been shuttered as part of larger layoffs that Paramount Global has had to do. I, I know you didn't know MTV News was still a thing, right? It began as a single show. Way, way back, 35 years ago, 36 years ago, Kurt Loder had the week in rock. We love Kurt. Uh, eventually, it became, you know, a bona fide news outlet for Gen X and, and, and older millennials. Uh, Tabitha Soren I grew up with, Gideon, Allison Stewart, a lot of people there I got to work with. Very nice. John Norris is a good friend of this show, and I've done a ton of things with Allison on TV and on NPR in the past. And a lot of great pop culture moments. I mean, I didn't think it was fantastic 29 years ago when bill clinton was on their town hall and they asked him boxers or briefs i kind of thought that's exactly what mtv didn't want but it got all the headlines and they had town halls with barack obama and john mccain and bill gates and george bush senior and mtv news did a lot of great stuff a lot of a good iraq war coverage uh it, it got M emmys it got peabody's it, it had a lot of good stuff about hiv and of course I don't know where you were on April 8th, 1994. I was doing a show in Jersey with Leanne Lord. MTV broke into their programming, and there was Kurt letting us know that Kurt Cobain was no longer with us. So by this decade, MTV News was very small, not very high profile, uh, didn't employ a lot of people, was kind of doing little videos here and there, like a now this sort of thing. Rest in peace, MTV News. I gotta say, quite honestly, I'm still upset at MTV for canceling the M in MTV. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Tracy Pearson, and we're going to be taking your calls. We're just getting warmed up. This is progress. Don't go away. I am so thrilled to welcome on a very insane news day, one of our smartest and most well put together friends that still talks to us. Dr. Tracy Pearson is a legal analyst and consultant. You've seen her on TV and radio and podcasts. She's also been quoted everywhere from Forbes to the New York Post. She does a lot of TV across many Fox syndicates, including Cheddar News and News Nation. In fact, that's where I first met her. Dr. Tracy, it's a pleasure to have you back. I missed you last week. Welcome. I know I missed you as well, but you are back. I am here. Uh, Trump is losing. Chris is happy. The birds are singing. It's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, he's he's losing. Yeah, no doubt. And I thought today was great because I, I, I loved me, too. I, it was my favorite reality miniseries I'd ever seen. You know, as, as a guy who, who grew up being trying to be nice to women uh, and having a sense of humor because I didn't know being an absolute fucking monster was an option. Uh, I'm, I'm always thrilled to see <laughs> horrible men realize they can be replaced. And COVID kind of took me two away from us. You know, I mean, yeah, sure, there was Cuomo. That was nice. But otherwise, you know, it kind of went away. This felt very, very historic today. And hopefully 
won't just embolden more women who've been assaulted by Trump to come forward. I I, kind of feel this is one of those things that will embolden more women who've been assaulted by anyone to come forward, because the great heroes to me are the women and men. God bless those altar boys, the victims of sexual abuse who are moving us from a culture of victims to survivors by coming forward and telling their story. Absolutely. I, e. Jean Carroll is, is a heroic for uh, coming forward, for staying the course, for pursuing her case. Um, and, and I heard what, what folks were talking about earlier about what you have to go through in one of these cases. And I, I sort of straddle that fence. I, I think that you have to go through these things because it's what our process is. Uh, it, mm. it, you have to test evidence. You have to test memory. You have to test the veracity of what someone is saying. Otherwise, it, it's 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 not our legal process. But at the same time, it's a horrific thing to go through. And it, it many times, however, is uh, I think from what I have been told by folks is is very empowering to be able to take control and to to tell your story and to face down the person who who you allege did this to you. And Mm -hmm. that's what she was able to do to a degree, except for the fact that Trump was a big wuss and didn't show up to court. Let's talk about that, because obviously Donald Trump couldn't wait to lie about this and to say how he was silenced in his civil trial. I'm sure you have thoughts about that, Dr. Tracy. I went off on Twitter about that. I, I think that he is... I mean, how many words you and I have lost adjectives at this point on on how to describe him that that has any sort of import or or effect on anyone? He, you look, we got a process. You were cordially invited. You decided not to show up. The court, you asked the court, do I have to go? The court said, yeah, you gotta. And then what happens is he doesn't go. And the court says, you know, if you really if, if you want to come, because I heard that you might over in Ireland that you were talking about it, maybe you'd like to come and talk. Um, we're going to invite you again. And right? he blows them up again. And and that that's fine, but it doesn't help you and it doesn't help your case. And then you can't complain about it when you lose. It just causes me to go off. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. What's your take on Donald Trump's lawyers? Because I kind of feel like he has he has two kinds of lawyers. He has these these grotesque showboats like Giuliani, you know, um, and then he has these grifters who people who just know he's a joke. They're on the record as saying he's a joke. But now that he's dangling money in front of them and they can get paid up front, they will take on his case because uh, they're willing to do it for the billable hours. That's my take on Takapina. What do you think? Yeah, there are, there are lawyers out there like that. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. It's sad. It makes us look scummy. Uh, but at the same time, it, 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 there's a lawyer for every client, so to speak. Um, I think that if he had been my client, I would have fired him. I would have really? fired him because he uh, wouldn't show up to court. You don't show up. You're done with me. I, I it, look, I, I didn't ask for this to happen to you, but if I'm going to be there, your butt better be in the seat next to me because I'm going to need your help. And if you don't want to contribute to your case, well, I can only do so much. And his deposition stunk. That video from Access Hollywood stunk. And my research, we talked about this early on when this case started, 
um, I, I had done a study where where I was assessing implicit bias in investigators. And what I found out was that men believed women uh, more often than women believed women. And I, it said that there were more men on this jury. I, I think that Six that was three. not going to bode well for him. Yeah. Um, serious question, though. In, in fairness, if you were Donald Trump's lawyer, would you want to put him on the stand under oath? Would that be a goal of yours? It's ultimately the decision of the client uh, whether to testify, but he has to sit there and be a big boy and look like a grown up, like he cares. The jury has he did, he did he did that he did that for Alvin Bragg. He sat there, he, you know. He did. He sat there. Um, he had no choice but to be there. Uh, otherwise, they were going to cordially invite him with bracelets. But I think that. <laughs> The, the jury has the jury has nothing else better to do. These people sit in a box. They've got some water if they're lucky and they've got a notepad and a pencil and they're looking around the room. And when there's an empty seat next to the lawyer, you've got a problem. You're going to lose your case because they think, well, you don't care and you must have done it. There is simply no way. No way a jury would would come out and say you you were not responsible for the conduct you're being accused of when you don't so show true. up. So true. And and yet, what could they do? It would have been much worse. I mean, the only thing Donald Trump's lawyers are more afraid of than him perjuring himself under oath is him telling the truth under oath. And in his deposition, A, they showed him a picture of Eugene Carroll, who he said wasn't his type. And he thought it was he literally thought it was his wife, Marla. It's on tape. He literally mistook the woman he said was too ugly to rape for the woman he left his first wife for. And then B, he we played the tape earlier. He pretty much bragged that he was a star and he could do it. It wasn't so much him not being there. It was his deposition and the Access Hollywood tape being there that I think sealed the fate for this jury. I think it was a combined. I think that that if he was there shaking his head, no, uh, at least that some effort to rebut. Uh, there You're was right. no attempt to rebut. But I do think um, the the other piece of this is that because it's a civil case, the plaintiff can call you against yourself. So E.G. E. Carroll's lawyer could have called Donald Trump if he was sitting in the courtroom and, and called him as part of her case in chief or as a rebuttal witness. She chose not to do that, obviously, because he wasn't there um, and he didn't walk into the room willingly. Um, right. She could have had him subpoenaed there. She chose not to do that. She was going to play it both ways. If he was there, she was going to call him. If he wasn't there, then she was going to use it against him with that negative inference that you can take in a civil case. And that's exactly what she did in the end. So, I mean, what happens next here? Uh, you know, obviously he's going to appeal this, but he has many, many, many more court cases coming down the line. Do, do, you, do you have Trump fatigue, Dr. Tracy? Because I'll tell you, you know who doesn't CNN? They're going to put this guy on there live tomorrow for a town normalizing, <laughs> a, a normalizing hall uh, to try to make all this seem just fine and to give him a chance to push his narrative to their audience, which is exactly what he's going to do. No rape conviction. Jury of my peers completely exonerated me from our word. Okay? okay, I have been completely cleared and I am grateful to this jury for seeing the truth and throwing her lies about rape. That's exactly what he's going to do. You think Caitlin Collins is going to push back when he starts to monologue like that? 
I'm disgusted with what CNN is doing. I, I think I'm disgusted with it on many, many for many reasons. The first reason is that we just got over election season, and I don't want to go into this election season right away. I really do need a break. Yeah, but sorry. The, the, yeah, I know, I know. Not but the, you know, not my choice. But the second thing is that because they are essentially turning into Fox News too, and I'm not happy about that. Well, they're going to um, try to turn it into. This is what they do every 10 years. They try to be Fox News. It always fails. You know, it will this time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I hope so. I hope so. But but I do. I think that he is going to push that narrative. I think. Um, am I do I have Trump fatigue? Yes, I have Trump fatigue. But um, I, what do I think is going to happen? I think, well, he's going to have 30 days of a stay. Uh, where the judgment is is not going to be um, something that that can be collected on. He has thirty days to appeal. He'll appeal. He, he if he if his lawyers will will do that. It, if it's frivolous, he'll get slapped. So yeah. I I would hope that the lawyers that that do this uh, are if they choose to um, use caution because they'll get slapped. Um, yeah. There is no basis to appeal this, frankly, when I'm looking at it, other than possibly allowing other witnesses to testify who who had not had underlying cases uh, found to be true um the other accusers um but but we've seen that in other cases and that's 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 deemed okay because it's used for other reasons um not to prove um sort of uh, pattern behavior um and and so i think that that He's got a lot of other things on his plate, and I think you got to just let this one slide. What really makes this interesting is that if he fails to pay the the judgment, um, which we know he's not good on his bills, um, that uh, he can, in fact, be arrested uh, in, right. in a federal case. And so he's the type of guy who would do this. How deep is your Trump fatigue, Tracy? It's, because I'm it's, counting on the country having a lot of it by this time next year. It is deep. It is deep already, but but it's because it's so constant. Like, he doesn't even give you a breath. He really doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I want to open up this uh, conversation to our listeners. We are taking your calls all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the West at 866-997-4748. That is 866-997-GRIT. Uh, Got to ask you about George Santos, America's sweetheart. Uh, tomorrow we will find out what the charges are. I'm sure it's related to campaign finance fraud. There's so much. I mean, I mean, from the veteran, the disabled veteran whose dog was dying and his GoFundMe got ripped off to the Rutgers volleyball team. There's a lot of aggrieved parties here. Yeah, he I I, I was searching. I was racking my brain for all the charges that I could come up with. Um, I, I generally don't guess on things, but if I were guessing here, I would say that it's probably um, fraud. It's probably potentially theft. Um, it's it's uh, finance related in some way, either election finance related or related to um, sort of a, a common scheme or plan to uh, commit fraud and steal from others um, mm. for for you know untruthful uh, purposes. I think that there there is a, a a real likelihood that that it's that. There's a lot of sensational crap around um, George Santos. And and a lot of that lying on the resume stuff, it's not relevant. It, what we need yeah. to be focusing on is what what could be a criminal act and stealing from from veterans really is a criminal act. Yeah. <laughs> a boy can dream. Uh, let's go to the phones. Um, Bill is calling from the great state of New Jersey. Bill, welcome. You're on Sirius XM with Dr. Tracy Pearson and me. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, okay. I was calling about the uh, immigration thing. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the immigration. Okay. 
Well, the, the, the thing that doesn't get mentioned enough is every time a Republican screams that the borders are open, all the uh, coyotes and the traffickers and everybody go down to those countries and they tell them, look, in the paper, McCarthy's ahead of the whole legislation. He says the borders are open. Let's go. And that encourages a lot of people, that, that kind of lying about it. Right. And uh, it, it just seems to follow every single time. Um, and I think I think that, that that's uh, probably something that uh, is not mentioned enough. But I think what's also not mentioned enough is that right now we're, we're witnessing Democrats having a real political problem, and it's both parties that are doing this. I mean, you know this, Tracy. Mm-hmm. Title 42 is ending this week. Yeah. The, the pandemic time uh, measure that made it possible to turn away people seeking asylum at the southern border, even though that is the that is what America is known for. Decades and decades and centuries of people from across the globe having a right to cross our border and seek refuge from persecution. It now seems that since Joe Biden said COVID's emergency is over, so we can't have the COVID emergency keeping the migrants out anymore. This surge has begun in Brownsville and in El Paso. Tens of thousands of people in the last month, a lot from Venezuela. And the Republican Party is just going to beat Joe Biden over the head on this because undocumented immigration is a problem that they never want to see solved. You know, they solved their abortion problem and now it's going to cost them in votes and fundraising. They don't ever want to see undocumented immigration go away. Absolutely. Right. This is the one they've got left. I think that um, it, it, what, it, what we lose track of here is that there are traffickers that are domestic traffickers. They're in they're in Texas. They're 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 trafficking uh, uh, runaway kids in the United States that are U.S. citizens. They mm-hmm. are on airplanes. They are they, they're all over the place. It's not just crossing our borders. The people who are right. crossing our borders are people who need mm-hmm. our help. And um, mm-hmm. You know, Title 42 is reminiscent of Ellis Island's medical checks, if, if we go all the way back in history, um, yeah. and to protect the public health. And there was a time for that, I think. But mm-hmm. at this point, what we're talking about is, is you know, uh, the Republicans like their strawberries, too. And those are the folks that mm-hmm. pick the strawberries in California. Yeah, I was going right. to say, if you got rid of all the undocumented immigration, salads would cost $75. But the Republican Party doesn't eat too many salads. So um, that's where it's at. For me, Tracy, I get hung up on the obvious racism all of, of all of this. The overwhelming majority of undocumented immigrants are people who overstay their visas. But we never hear talk about that. Never how we're going to get the visa overstayers. Um, there are 50,000 Irish undocumented people in this country. I have never heard the Republican plan to get all those illegal Irish out of the country. They are not prioritized. It's brown people at our border because it's a simple, scary picture that simple, frightened racists can understand. Go go ahead, Bill. I know you want to jump in. But I thought that the Democrats were the child traffickers. Now I'm confused. Well, I, I know it's hard now that Tucker's not there, but give it a couple of weeks and he'll be on Twitter reminding you of that. (laughs) <laughs> right. right, but but I remember, I'm old enough to remember before Reagan, when every year a million and a half immigrants would come across the border, uh, all with papers and everything. They would work the fields, 
And then after the season, they would go back to Mexico. That's how and Reagan wanted it. Good or bad, that's the way it happened before Reagan started the nonsense. No, by the way, no, no, Reagan wanted the same system. Reagan actually called for open borders. His words, because President Reagan felt that they should be able to come over here, work for a season, and then go home. No problems. Reagan said open borders. But Reagan's also proven uh, amnesia is contagious for right-wing people. <laughs> But, uh, th- well, there were, there were some arguments with the grape pickers and stuff over that. But, yes, uh, there were. The, 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 fact, the fact is, though, it, as wrong morally or whatever happened, it was orderly and there was no big deal. And it was just part of what they needed. Everyone knew, knew they needed people to do the work, and Americans wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's really it. And again, they they Americans won't do it because Americans demand a living wage. These folks in America know they can pay marginalized, mostly brown, undocumented people less than a living wage and not have to pay an American something they could live on. And that's the core that's propping up our economy. That is the racket. That is the rot. Neither party wants it to end. Both parties want to use this for votes. Democrats want to get compassionate people and Latinos and Republicans. Well, you know who they're trying to get with this. And, but what makes me crazy, Tracy, the Democrats won't come out and, and call this out. They won't come out and say, why don't you arrest the Americans doing all the hiring? Because, you know, you could make undocumented immigration end in a month if you started just it, it, bring out the paddy wagon and lock up these white people. You got someone working as your nanny. You got someone working as your, your groundskeeper. Boom, you're gone. You're going to jail right away. You would see living wages pop up and the border. <laughs> they'd leave it alone once the help wanted sign finally got took down. Well, and that, that, that's with everything. I mean, you know, I live near Beverly Hills. There are folks doing coke on their counters right now. And, no. and you know, but who are we arresting when it comes to that? You um, know who. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, or who are we accusing uh, many times? I think that, that it, it, I'm going to defend the, the Democrats for a moment and say it's like popcorn and not having a top on the pot. There are so many freaking things going on right now. Try catching one and running with it. It's just not, it, 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 you've got the debt ceiling, you've got uh, the, it, and all that comes with that. You've got the stock market potentially crashing. You've got That's a right. recession. You've got, you know, Trump doing stupid things. You've got Title 42. You've got, you know, MIFA Pristone. I mean, I could keep listing the stuff off. It's what we do every Tuesday. Yep. That's but, it. I, I don't, Bill? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know why Biden does just not say that he's going to okay the Treasury to cut checks, fuck the, uh, excuse me, the debt limit. It's a illegal. It's a, it, uninterested. It's, a, it's like uh, everything else with the, uh, uh, electoral college with filibusters, you know, uh, uh, the uh, gerrymandering. That's what's ruining this country is all these workarounds, you know. Yeah. The uh, intent of the law giveth and the text of the law taketh away. Uh, there's always a workaround, even though you have the same idea in your head. Yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. Uh, I want to play a quick little clip, by the way. This is, uh, you know, Corrine Jean-Pierre came out earlier in the day and said that the U.S. is fully prepared. This White House is fully prepared for Title 42 to go away and for these folks to begin by the tens of thousands seeking asylum in our country. You know how they're prepared? Uh, They have guns. Here is Brigadier General Pat Ryder earlier today 
offering some details on the U.S. military's role in what could be a very dodgy Thursday and Friday. My understanding uh, is that uh, those troops, uh, an element of those troops, should begin arriving soon. Uh, I'd, I'd refer you to NORTHCOM for the specific timing of that. Um, in terms of the types of activities we've talked before about, uh, they'll be providing uh, additional ground detection and monitoring capability, warehouse support, data entry. Um, again, they'll be there in support of Customs and Border Patrol. Uh, they will not be conducting any type of law enforcement activities. My understanding is that some of those troops will be operating uh, near El Paso, uh, Texas. Um, but again, I'd refer you to NORTHCOM for any additional details. And, and a key point there is that they will be there in support, again, of CBP. So really, CBP are going to be the ones to ultimately determine the disposition of those forces because they're there in support. Uh, sounds like a lot of guys standing around holding guns, hoping that makes everyone behave. That's what I took from that, Tracy. Yeah, and, and using using technology to figure out, you know, where these people are, are coming from and heading to and trying to alert the folks working on the ground of where to be at what points. I think that um, that I think uh, President Biden is prepared for for it to be a, a, a tough, tough a, a rumbly Thursday and Friday um, yeah. and has said as much. And and so he knows that that this is going to be difficult and he's ready to ride it out. Um, there's really no other choice. Bill, we'll give you the last word. Yeah, I was just wondering why uh, Ivanka didn't come up in the trial at all since you wrote in her book that he raped her. Ivana, Ivana, not Ivanka. Ivana, I mean, not Ivanka, sorry. Well, he he, he never wrote in his book that he raped her. She said in a sworn deposition in 1991 that he had raped her, and then they threw a lot of money at her, and she came out and said she was confused. So whether it's oh. true or not, we will never know, but uh, if she did it for yeah. leverage, it worked. It's all a negotiation yeah. with these people. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's dead now. And buried on his golf course in an unspeakably ugly place so absolutely Weird. bill Weird. thank you very much man sure have a good evening peace Uh, so, Tracy, Tucker Carlson, he came out with this really big news. We're going to be on Twitter, the one place where you can have free speech. It, it, it costs $8 now, but it's free. Um, Elon came out a little while later and said, no, we've had no deals made. This is just, this is not happening. Um, is it wrong that I really hope it does? You know, Tucker has a non-compete clause with Fox, so he can't do anything. He can't go on any competitor. And he, he's not technically allowed to talk about politics until after the 2024 campaign. Apparently, he's ready to leave that money behind and hope that everyone can teach their parents and grandparents how to watch TV on Twitter. I think it would be hilarious just watching his most elderly viewers try to understand how that works. There's so much I have to say. First of all, thank you, Elon, for giving me a blue check mark. I, I didn't know that I deserved one, but thank you very he, much. He gave you Got one? That. He gave me one and showed up today. So thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Um, uh, it just popped up. Um Huh. The second, yeah, I had I one for 10 years, but, you know, I know. Go, go well, maybe it. they gave it to me to hold for a while. I don't know. Um, I, and also, you know, I, I was cynical before I met you. I don't know if I'm more cynical now, if I've just been I've matched the cynicalness here, because the first thing I said when I heard this was, oh, so he's going to be using Twitter live. 
I didn't realize that 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 was something you announced. But that mm-hmm. appears to be what he's doing um, is that he's just going to go live on Twitter. This idea that he's doing a show just blew my mind um, because I've done a show on Twitter, too. Um, so I, I think it could be a negotiation tactic. I think that because I understood that there was also a letter sent um, mm-hmm. that, that related to this over to Fox. Um, I think it was over to Fox. Um, and so I think that um, that he's still he's trying to stay relevant. And it's also one of these weird little little things where, you know, you announce it in the hopes that you'll you'll convince somebody to do something. And so he announces it trying to convince Elon. Elon's like, nah, you know, now we don't have an agreement, at least right. not at this point. He's subject to all the rules that everybody else is. Um, I mean, so it's a maybe, very weird maybe, little thing. Maybe Tucker could have a big hit thing on on Twitter. I don't really understand. I guess the advertising would find itself, and you know, he could employ his own cr- old crew and and actually do a real production with Twitter as the delivery platform. I just, I, I just don't see. That's the sort of thing that a young upstart does, and it grows. Not an established TV dinosaur tries to translate. No, no. I, I, I think a, a smarter move might have been to go to YouTube. It might have been yeah. to to do that. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that are running stuff on alternate platforms, but certainly not Twitter if if that's your demographic. Um, and I think that um, it, it it was free, and that's you know why he did it. Probably, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing. I, I mm. think he's just trying to stay relevant. Yeah, well, I guess I, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that Tucker Carlson became relevant. I still think well, he's a special twerp. Well, you and twerp. I both, but I, yeah. I'm but, nice. but speaking of, uh, <laughs> of of smart choices, um, I have a confession to make. I I, I, I love Richard Dreyfus. I love him as an actor. Um, met him a few times. Uh, saw him on Broadway years ago. Uh, met him when I was working at MTV. He's done this show a few times. He's been a great guest. He's incredibly entertaining to talk to. I could I, I lose track of all the great roles. But Richard Dreyfus was being interviewed about uh, inclusivity in Hollywood on PBS's Firing Line. And again, I think he's great on on civics, on on art, on Shakespeare. But here he is talking about inclusivity in Hollywood that um, with a statement that is as shocking as it is outdated. This is about a little over a minute. This is uh, this is why Richard Dreyfus has been going over the falls in a barrel for the last week. What do you think of these new inclusion standards for films? They make me vomit. Why? Because this is an art form it's also a, a form of commerce, and it makes money, but it's an art. And no one should be telling me, as an artist, that I have to give in to the latest, most current idea of what morality is. And what are we risking? Are we really risking hurting people's feelings? You can't legislate that. And you have to let life be life. And I'm sorry, I don't think that there's a minority or a majority in the country that has to be catered to like that. You know, Laurence Olivier was the last white actor to play Othello. And he did it in 1965. And he did it in blackface. And he played a black man 
brilliantly. Am I being told that I will never have a chance to play a black man? Is someone else being told that if they're not Jewish, they shouldn't play the Merchant of Venice? Mm -hmm. Are we crazy? Do we not know that art is art? Okay, uh, choosing my words very carefully, I so get what he's trying to say, and I've never heard someone express themselves in a more self-destructive way than that. I've seen Olivier play Othello. He's wonderful. I don't ever need to see a white guy, even in the opera, even even in the opera of Othello, Placido Domingo wore blackface. I get it. I, I don't need to see that ever again. I think he makes some good points. Should straight actors be allowed to play gay? Should trans actors, cisgender actors be allowed to play trans? Should non-Jews be able I've played gay characters and stuff before. I totally get it. But I've never heard someone from a well-intentioned place burn bridges like what I just heard. Uh, I I read it. I read it. I read it. I heard it. I heard it's, it. And it's worse I, when you I, hear it, isn't it? It's even worse when you hear it. And I have to think that that his PR uh, person probably just poured the, the bottle of vodka over their head um, as, as it was being played <laughs> because um, there's a woman on TikTok who does this great PR stuff. And, and I can just see her doing one on this if she hasn't done one already. Um, her name escapes me right now, but next week I'll know it. Um, and I just, I, I'm gonna, I was trying to come up with a defense for him. Okay. There's a writer's strike going on right now. That's mm-hmm. putting a lot of pressure on people in Hollywood. It's, it's really tough. Things have basically halted. Um, but I can't, I can't get there from, from here. I mean, it is just so utterly uh, obtuse and so utterly, um, uh, contrary to, to, to what, what what the the academy and what uh, the the Screen Actors Guild and all of these folks have been trying to accomplish over the last several years that it just it's mind boggling it's almost like did he go did he go over the you know the falls in a barrel and and knock his head or something. I know. I mean, like, I, I, you know, Felicity Huffman got an Oscar nomination playing a, a transgender person. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I, I loved uh, Linda Hunt winning an Oscar for playing an Asian man. A British white woman won an Oscar for playing an Asian man in the year of living dangerously. I, I thought William Hurt was amazing in Kiss of the Spider Woman. And and it never occurred to me to be offended that, you know, I just thought, wow, he's straight, but he's so convincing as this flamboyant, effeminate gay man. By the time Jonathan Price was playing an Asian person on Broadway in uh, Miss Saigon in the early 90s, that was the first time this controversy really got hot. And a lot of actors, including Sean Penn and the Screen Actors Guild, defended him, saying he's an actor. He should be able to play any ethnicity if he wants. If that's who the director wants, that's who they should have. And, and I, I always understood the ethics about it. But the world has changed and non-white people are have enough of a voice now to say, you know what? No, it's not right to take that job away from a gay actor, from an Asian actor, from a Jewish actor, from a trans actor. Uh, I kind of feel like Richard Dreyfuss has a very compelling argument if it's 1989. But today, this he's such a he's been a great liberal for many years and it just makes him look like Dick Cheney. It it is terrible. And. It is terrible because of people like Lin-Manuel Miranda who have, have, have demonstrated and talked about, um, and he has even had his own problems, but but who, who have talked about the fact that they had to write roles for themselves because nobody was writing them for yeah. people like him. And, and right. so that's how you get in the heights. 
Um, and I think that what we need to do is we need to, I, I want to know why he, I really want to know more because what I talked about today, I wrote a Substack and I, I talked about how I was talking about Dr. Phil and, and Bill Maher. Um, mm-hmm. But that that when when as you rise higher and higher on this ladder of success in Hollywood, the pressure gets gets more intense and you get pulled in all these directions. And 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 I, I think that that you you only get snippets of what people think and feel. And that was still a snippet, even though it was a minute long. And I, I want to, him to talk more, not because I want him to step on more landmines, but because I really want somebody to challenge him in what he's I saying. I would love to have Lin-Manuel Lin- Miranda challenge him in what he's saying or have um, some of the folks, other folks who have been very strong, um, people who are pushed for representation to, yeah. um, to talk about this stuff with him and to watch that conversation. Yeah, I'm going to try and get him back on the show next time I'm in L.A. because uh, he's he's smart and he's fearless. And I, I feel like he's so close to getting it. But wow, it, I, I can't imagine his representatives letting him do any interviews anytime soon. Yeah, no, they, they're definitely they're freaking out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One last thing, uh, you know, Richard Dreyfus famously played uh, 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 Dick Cheney in that Oliver Stone movie. Liz Cheney has now entered the 2024 election fight club. Can I play this ad really quick? This is Liz Cheney made an ad against Donald Trump. I have an issue with this, but it's very well made. Here it is. Donald Trump is the only president in American history who has refused to guarantee the peaceful transfer of power. He lost the election and he knew it. To become the president. He betrayed millions of Americans by telling them the election was stolen. Stop this. He ignored the rulings of dozens of courts. Rather than accept his defeat, he mobilized a mob to come to Washington and march on the Capitol. Then he watched on television while the mob attacked okay, law you get enforcement. Okay, you the idea. So in our final minute, Tracy, uh, you know, uh, liberals are praising this. I view this as being the best made ad for DeSantis yet. Liz Cheney wants abortion to be illegal, wants billionaires to get their tax cuts. This is not a pro-democracy ad. Yeah, I, I'm wondering, is she trying to test out the waters to see how, how receptive people are so she can throw her own hat in the ring? Mm-hmm, uh, as, exactly. And, and and that concerns me because there are things to like about her, but there are things that, that I don't like about her. And she probably will be running. But again, is she running for herself, which I wouldn't mind? Or is she just running to help get a, a, a non-Trump Republican elected? To me, she voted with Donald Trump on just about everything he wanted. You know, she wants to do all these bad Republican policies, but a lot of I talk to liberals who are so drunk on Trump hatred that they're huge fans of Liz Cheney. I appreciate her telling the truth about this one thing. It's great for the family (laughs) to finally, you know, find Jesus on one subject. But to me, all of this is just ads for non-Trump Republican Party. Absolutely. And DeSantis is absolutely crazy. I God, I hope not. Oh, man. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you, Dr. Pearson, and keep up with all your work? I am all over the social media, uh, every single platform under uh, at Tracy Explains. And I have a Substack, Dr. Tracy Explains. And you got a blue check, too. Look at you. Thank you hey. so much for joining us. I missed you last week. I hope you enjoyed Nayara Hawk. She's a real radio host. So I, I congratulations on having that experience for once. Please come back to my level next week, Tracy. It's always a joy. This is Progress After Dark. Progress After Dark.